Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the One Step Better podcast. I'm your host, Mike Schaefer, and with me, as always, is Matt Patrick. Um, last week, we talked about customer feedback and, and having a, a rhythm and a method to go to your clients, to your customers, and, and asking them, hey, what's working, what's not working, how can we improve, how can we get better, that type of stuff. And so this week, I figured we would kind of follow up with that, kind of a part two, if you want to call it that, with the idea of, you know, we've gathered some feedback, whether it's from our customers, our teams, it could be from, from anywhere. Um, and, and now, how do we action on that? What do we do with that information once we have it? Is it something that we should be talking about, or is it something that we should be addressing? And kind of all, all of the questions that come along with that. And so thanks for joining us today. I'm really excited for you to, to come in and, and hear part of what we're talking about. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, um, hello, welcome. Thank you for joining us. If you're just sitting here listening to us on a podcast, maybe you're driving in from work. That's when I normally listen to podcasts, um, driving home or driving into work. Um, thanks, for, thanks for joining us as well. Uh, we do have a YouTube channel. If you want to watch and see, get a behind-the-scenes picture of uh, the, the fake studio that we're in right now. Um, you could do that. But Matt, thanks for joining me today. Glad to be here. Um, really, really excited to kind of continue a conversation that we had last week on the idea of getting customer feedback is really important. But then there's also the component of, I got a lot of information. Um, if you do it right and, and you're actually talking to your customers in a genuine tone of, I, I care what you think, a lot of times you're going to get a lot of information. And then there is the, what next? What do Filter, I do Filtering with through this? the stuff. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a taco shop, and all my customers are telling me I need to start making hamburgers. What do I do or with that? Or lobster bisque, as we talked about oh, last week. Yeah, last week. I'm a barbecue shop, and all my customers are telling me to make lobster bisque. What do I do with that? Um, yeah. And so I, let's continue the conversation a little bit. Whenever you've gone out and got some customer feedback, and they're telling you everything under the sun that you're doing well or you're doing wrong or uh, things that they wish you would do, what are, what are those first steps with taking that information? Where does it go? Who, who's involved? Where do you, where do you go from there? Um, I think it starts for me with, is this a one-off issue? Is this a process problem? Is this a people problem? Is this a, and talking about negative feedback, this is we're not doing something we should have been doing. Is this something that we didn't do a good job, job of educating the customer on? All those things kind of go into the decision-making process. So trying to see, see if this is systemic or if this is a one-off outlier. Um, it's hard to know that without data. And so usually it's sort of, I, I start by trying to accumulate as much data as I can, getting as much feedback from other people as I can. Again, trying to reinforce that this is really an issue or not. Yeah, my first trying step, to use data. My first step is always I want to validate the, the information. Uh -huh. is, is what they're saying, is that a real issue? Is, that, is it true? And you're right. You're, you got to have information to do that. And th mm -hmm. that information is going to come from maybe you have some internal systems that this information is being tracked on. If, if my clients say, or if your customers say, hey, you know what? It took 30 years for me to get to your front desk to, your, to actually out the door, order complete, paid for, and all that stuff. Well, if you have some, if you're using like a POS type system, sometimes you, if you're a restaurant, you can track that. What's the, what's the overall timeline? Mm -hmm. So you got to get that data to see. It's taking 30 minutes right. for me to get my food. Really? It's well, your order rang up six minutes ago. Yeah. 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 And so is it true? Because sometimes your customers are right and sometimes they're wrong. And you want to validate that. You also want to validate that against your team members. Mm -hmm. uh, because a lot of times your customers are interacting with, with people on your team, hopefully. And if so, your team members are going to be able to say, um, you There's know what? That two sides didn't every really happen that way. Or maybe it did. two sides to every story. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously validate the data. Is yep. that right? 
so luckily we have some tools to do that. So we talked about this last week too. Um, we have the ability to see how we communicated with you. We can see how fast we responded. We can see how we answered the question. We actually can listen to the call. We can hear all the things we need to see to see the true data behind yep. this. That's huge. Um, we screw up. It happens. Yep. Um, hey, if we see that we dropped the ball on something or we never closed the loop or we reached out but didn't reach out for the third or fourth, fifth, sixth time, all those things could happen. But we can see what was supposed to happen and what did happen versus our, what we were, what we would, ideal response would have been. Um, if you're talking about, you know, getting, you know, getting feedback from an ideal customer and they're saying, hey, you want, we want you to get lobster bisque, for instance. Yeah, that's interesting. We don't have lobster in the building. And then I know it, it's going to cost me $9 to make a cup of soup that you're willing to pay $6 for. No matter if they want that feedback or not, I'm not going to do that. That doesn't make sense. Right. Um, you know, if you think about like when the iPhone came out, they didn't try to recreate another phone. They tried to put you in the, what the, the next thing was going to be even better than. Something to, you didn't even know that You didn't know that you exist. needed. Correct. Which is where, you know, your technology is too hard to use. You, I mean, Zoom's impossible to use. Well, really? Now the whole world's gone to it in the last six months. But two years ago, you couldn't get on Zoom. Right. So now you had to. You, we forced your change. Um, and so those things are kind of, you know, where do you want to be? Sometimes you have to pull a customer along. Sometimes you have to kick them in the butt. Sometimes you have to push them forward, maybe on the technology side or, you know, how, they want, how you want them to interact your way, not necessarily their best way. I like paper. I want all my tax returns on paper is the big one we see in our world. Yeah, we, we, it's not efficient for us to deliver on paper. It also makes you have to come all the way in our office to do it. I can deliver everything electronically to you, and I still talk to you just as much about the tax return. Let's talk about how easy we can make this for you, not how challenging it is because you don't get to touch and feel it. Right. Yeah. The, it, and what you'll find is if you have, especially if you're doing this with your ideal clients, and you find that you know, 90% of your people are saying the same thing, you don't really need to spend too much time validating that information because it's most likely going to be true because you're not going to have a bunch of people that are saying, especially if this is something, hey, you know what? You said you were going to do this and you haven't done it. And a bunch of people are saying the same thing. You better quickly get to the point of, you know what, we got to fix this because there's, true, there's a true issue. Hey, we had this happen here. You know, we have we had an employee or two over, over the years that, you know, haven't gotten back to somebody. I've emailed them. I've called them. I've emailed them again. Okay, I see that. I find out, oh, they haven't responded. They mean to you. They were out. They had meetings. About, okay, great. How can I help you now? How can I fix your issue today? And I can talk to the employee after, hey, it's really important that we respond to email, return phone calls. Here's our expectations. Here's our expectations. Let's do these things the right way. Just how you'd want to be treated. If somebody calls you, if you call somebody, you want them to call you back if they don't answer the phone. The expectation we have, let's resolve the problem first, which is what can you do to fix your issue now? Yeah. And, and so once you get to the point where you validated some information in that process, what you're going to find is that let's say that you have 100 points of information that your, your survey or your feedback, your conversations with your ideal customers have given you. In that validation process, you're going to find, you know what, I don't know, I'm making up a number. It's not anywhere close to probably accurate, but let's say 50% of that is just, you know, that's not, there's not real issues, probably not the right word for it, but not real issues. And then the other 50% are, hey, you know what, that's, that's really These are mission brought up some things. things that we need to take a look at. Where do you go from there? I like the, I use the steak sauce method for, I use the steak sauce method for prioritizing what needs to get done. And so I kind of use a, the methodology of, okay, this has to get done now. And it's super important. And the timing is now. It's, it's super important. Timing doesn't have to be now. And so I basically create an A1, which is the idea of steak sauce method, A1, A2, A3, B1, B2, B3, 
prioritize my, my to-do list and kind of tackle the hardest things first. The biggest, mo the thing's going to move the most, uh, make the most, uh, the largest impact, uh, the quickest. That's what yeah. I want to do. Yeah. That's interesting. You, you use that stake sauce method. I always think of it from the standpoint of what's important versus what's urgent. And then really what's urgently important. Right. Um, because it's, it's, well, you have Some, a fire. You have to put the fire out. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. Sometimes there's something burning down, and you know what? Go grab the fire extinguisher and push the button. Correct. And there's other time that hey, you know what? That's really important. Going to cause a fire, but it's not something I need to worry about for three months. And you got to be able to prioritize that. That's a good point. It's going to cause a fire. Let's fix that issue so it doesn't have a fire down the road. Yeah. And then this one's going to cause many little fires that will eventually be a big fire. Let's get rid of those. Yeah. Yeah. And so another thing to think about is. Once you do have kind of a validated list, here's all the things that from my customer feedback session, uh, it's important to bring other people in, into that conversation, especially your own team members that may be dealing with those customers directly. And I, I always like the approach of doing this from a multi-level standpoint. I want my first front lines people in that conversation, maybe not making critically important decisions for the, you know, the direction of our company, but I want their impact I want, or their feedback. I want their input. Um, I also want, you know, maybe that person's manager and, you know, I want a couple of different levels in there because we've talked about this a whole lot in our podcast perspective is so, so important. And the further you are from that customer experience, the harder it is to have a real perspective of what's happening. It's been interesting over the years, you know, at my, where I'm at today, I get feedback from a customer that they're upset with a, with one of our employees. I'm like, have you talked to that person about this? No, I don't want to hurt their feelings, but I would like you to reach out to them and fix it. Okay, well, if you're already frustrated and you're going to me about it, maybe three emails ago, you should have said, hey, I need to, can we pick up the phone and talk? You know, but that perspective, you know, they don't, they don't know the person that well. They know me or whatever. I think that's important in the process. I also think it's important to keep the whole team in that loop. So knowing, hey, this is something that upset a customer. So we don't do it again. Let's talk about how we're going to fix this, but also how the process of how we're going to fix it is going yep. to happen over time. And that's a training. So, that's yeah, a training. It's a training opportunity. Our best opportunity to um, have ultimate credits with a customer is when something goes wrong and not when something yeah. goes right. We build up the most credits when we screw something up and we can fix it. Yeah. What it, you know, if online shopping, I you yep. know, is almost <laughs> the only way I shop now. Yeah. And uh, I don't give any credence to online reviews, <laughs> except for the reviews that say, hey, this was what was wrong, and this is how they responded. Yeah. Those are the reviews that I give the most credit to, because I, for me, and I could, this is, I could be getting played, I could be getting yeah. fooled in all this, but for so me, that's saying I that was honest enough, or somebody was honest enough to say, this didn't work. But then this is the response that came out of it. And whenever I see reviews that are, this didn't go well, or this wasn't shipped as designed, or this broke in a month, and the company instantaneously refunded my, my order, or they you know, provided that replacement part, or whatever, they fixed the issue. I see those companies as, you know what, that's a company I want to buy from. Absolutely, did things the right way. Yeah, and, if, when they, and when they screw up, they own it, and they fix it. Yep. I love that. I agree. I, I think it's huge. You know. We, we obviously, like every other business, have messed some stuff up. But when we do, you know, it's, or my, we talk about all the time is own it, fix it, make it right. Make it right, whatever that means, making it right. Don't try to bury it. Don't try to hide it. No, absolutely not. And um, it sucks. And we all have done it. And we've all made mistakes. But, hey, we, we fix it and move on. Yep. And that's okay. 
Yep, Cameron's football coach, uh, whenever he's out there, my 12-year-old this week will be 12 years old, um, son, uh, is he plays football, and um, he's an he's a offensive and defensive lineman. And his, his line coach always says, whenever they're running drills or, or running practice, hey, mess up big. Don't mess up small. Mess up big. When you make a mistake, make sure it's your, that mistake is going to be shown because you're going to go full speed. And, you know, if you're pulling the wrong way, you're going to pull so fast and so quickly, you're going to be 10 yards out there before we realize it was a mistake. But I can fix that because I can see that. If you are, hey, you know what, I kind of made a mistake, but then I slowed down or stopped and tried to hide it and correct it, you know, fix it myself or whatever. I can't coach on that because you're not, you're not making that mistake big enough to where it's, it's a big enough issue. And um, there's some ways in which that applies and there's other ways in which it doesn't. But I thought that the principle behind that is when you do make a mistake, make sure that other people know about your mistake because then you can get coached up on how not to do that again. What, what can get you fired here? Uh, this is very blunt. What can get you fired here is covering up a mistake. Yeah. What will never get you fired is telling people about your mistake. Hey, I screwed something up and I need some help to fix it. Or, hey, I, I need to fix this now. Here's what I'm going to do to fix it. Great. Don't try to cover up your mistake with another mistake. That's, that's, that, yeah. that you will no longer work here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Big deal. That's yeah. a huge yeah. deal. Something that is, is uh, definitely is going to get you in trouble. So how do you kind of, you know, uh, pull the wheat from the cha- chaff sometimes with this stuff, Mike? How do, how do you think about it other than data? Yeah, I... Um, you got to be so on top of the pulse of your company and what you're doing that there's going to be things that are going to obviously stick out as, hey, you know what? That's an interesting idea, but that doesn't really apply to us or that's not something that we would really be involved in, in doing. Like, for example, we're an accounting firm, payroll service company that does a lot of stuff around uh, employee-centered stuff. So if our client, if we had a client, and this is an extreme example, came back and said, hey, you know, I want you to start selling cars. That's a pretty clear one that, you know, we're not going to do that. Um, those are the easy ones to figure out. The ones that are a little more subtle, uh, we want you to include this in your scope of service that looks like, you know what, that, that's, a, that's an interesting idea. We probably could do that. We may be able to do that. From there, I, I walk that through our, um, our, our kind of our decision-making framework, the hierarchy of, of what we are evaluating, what we do under kind of that hedgehog method that, yeah. that Good to Great talks about. And in our world, um, there's three things that has to be true for us to even uh, begin to think about offering something different or new or tweaking what we're doing. It has to be um, systematic. It has to be repeatable and has to be profitable. So we're not going to do something that we can do in bulk to all of our customers that isn't profitable because that will bury our business over time. We're not going to do something that we can only do for this one particular customer, even though it's going to make us, it's going to be profitable and there's a way to do it um, because it's not repeatable across the board because we will run into operation issues across the board with that. And we're not going to do something that we can do it for all of our customers and and it is profitable, but we can't do it in an organized way. So those are our, for me, those are the three things. And we have all three of those come up on a frequent basis. All the time. Yeah, I mean, we had this happen this week or last week with a with a prospective client who who we had to we had to tell them, hey, we we can't work with you. What you're asking us to do it does not fit our process at all. We could absolutely do it on a one off basis, but I have 300 plus other customers, and I, there's just no way I can do it. What you're asking me to do isn't something we can do in a systematized way, and it it could have been a large fee, yeah. but the reality is couldn't repeat it. Yeah, and and it happens. 
industries are, are, are particularly this, in this case for us, there are certain industries that make things very hard for us to work in. And one of those is retail. If they, if they have an inventory tracking system that's very tied into their accounting books, it's really hard for us to get involved in the bill pay process, which is what they wanted us to be involved in. There's no easy way for us to do that with a, with a client like that. If they were just an accounting client, we weren't going to be involved in the bill pay process. Absolutely, we could do it. But we can't with that type yep. of customer. And they were, an additional and it was, service that they're wanting. And, they, they and that was a deal breaker for them. that They had to have us do bills. And I, I, I can't. Yep. And so we, we're walking away. Um, but it, that's, we're going to give them another option, which is here, here's who you have to hire internally. Here's a piece we can handle externally. Yeah, but. absolutely. So those, those, are, those aren't the only three things, but those are the three non-negotiables places that, that I start with. And that came out of um, looking at what we do really well and what are the characteristics of the work we do really well. And we found, at least I found, that those three things are always true. And all of the stuff that my team does that they enjoy doing, that's profitable work, those three things are always true. Always. Yep. It's yep. systematic, it's repeatable, and it's profitable. So we've talked a little bit about ideal customer. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about ideal process, in theory. Mm-hmm. You know, ideal way we work with that customer in my world, that's a process. You know? And then you have um, you know, the other factors that are involved. In our case, there's some technology stuff. They have to be able to handle our technology the right way. They have to be passionate about the small business. Those are ideal customer type characteristics yeah. because those mean we know we can be successful with those people. If you can't operate a computer, you're not an ideal fit for us because we're going to, everything we do is that way. And it, it's one of those things like if you, if you don't want to, if you're not willing to send stuff digitally to us, this isn't going to work. Yep. If you have, if you're still keeping your books on a general ledger notebook with T charts in it, hey, that's great. High five. It's not great. that, it's not that you're wrong. Just not it's that way. that's not us. And Correct. so we just have that's to. That's okay. And you know, to that point a little bit. We have grown to the point where we're a little more fortunate enough to be able to have, I'm not going to say hardline, strict, you can't ever leave boundaries, but those boundaries are pretty strict. Whereas 15 years ago, those boundaries look different. And if you're growing small or a young small business out there and you're still trying to identify what that ideal customer looks like, you may temporarily have to take on some projects that don't meet all of those checkboxes just to be able to pay some bills sometimes. Right. So one of the things I, I immediately came to my mind was I always think of, a, I've got uh, my cousin who's a contractor, but we also, we hear this a lot in the trades businesses. Yeah. The guy who can do so many different things, somebody who's handy, is handy at working on cars and a house and painting and, you know, redoing floors and, and, and doing a roof and doing a fence and doing lawns, landscaping. Next thing you know, he's doing a bunch of things, not making money in any of them. And because he can do them, doesn't mean he should be doing them. Right. Um, and that's the same thing that, you know, as an accountant, we have that same opportunity sometimes. There are so many things that we can do. It's not something we should be doing. You know, I, I can help people convert software from one technology to another. That's not something that we're really ideal at. We're not well suited for it. We're not staffed for it. And only certain people on our team can do that work. That means it's not repeatable, which means I can't. Yep, that shouldn't be. Could yeah. doesn't mean should. Correct. And that's that's especially for startup small businesses. I understand that there's going to be sometimes you have to move out of that box. The more you can stay inside of that box, you're putting long-term success ahead of short-term gain. It short-term as an owner, gain. it allows you to create a system that's repeatable when the, every person in your team knows what you do and don't do. There's a great book for this built to sell. Yeah. Is is the built is the book that I always think of when I think of this idea of creating one main thing that you do it's a graphic but a graphic design company that 
does a bunch of different things and they end up deciding that they make their most money doing logos and the business becomes worth something. And before that, the business was worth nothing. And I understand that because all the work was being scattered about and they weren't profitable or anything. And so that became, you can create a sales process around it and you can create a operations process around it. You know how to train on it. It's easy to do that when you create repeatable business. Um, you know, I think of, you know, landscapers or lawn care guys or construction people um, or even restaurants. You know, restaurants are the same way. It's, it has to be repeatable. So, you know, you don't want to have a custom meal every time somebody orders, you know. Yeah. And, and to that point a little bit, repeatable doesn't necessarily mean it's the same cog every time. Correct. You know, Burger King, have it yeah. your way. You can buy a Whopper with pickles or without pickles or with ketchup yeah. or without ketchup yeah. or, you know. Yeah. And so, but the, the repeatable part is it's a Whopper. Yeah, there's some different things that are going to come on it, and you're not going to get the yeah. same thing every single time, but it's a Whopper. Right. And so we, uh, you know, there is going to be some variance from customer to customer, potentially, but the underlying what's being delivered there is going to be the same across the board. Correct. And so in our world, we're delivering financial statements. How we go about creating those financial statements may look a little bit different from customer to customer because of customer particular particularities. But at the end of the day, we're producing a financial statement. And there's some, there are some more parameters. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, very, I'm using a very simplified approach to what we're actually doing. Sure. But the idea is the underlying deliverable is, is, is the same from, from customer to customer. Correct. And so to kind of pull us back uh, to, to the customer feedback piece of that, you gave an example of whenever a client or a prospect, potential customer, um, said, hey, we need you to do X, Y, Z, and that just wasn't a fit. You know, one of the things that we did start implementing because of customer feedback is we, we did this survey um, with our customers or with my team, and they said, hey, here's some things that we, uh, that we think we should be offering. And one of those things was retirement plan administration. So we, we talked about this a lot. And from the idea of our, we had a variety of clients, uh, quite a few clients that were wanting us to fund their retirement plan. Now, when I, when I say that, I simply mean Making the payroll rands, and, and, and they want the payment to be made so that all their money's in the 401k account for their team, right? So it's a, in our world, that was something, okay, it's, we can make that profitable based on price point. We can system, systematize that, um, and we can make it repeatable across all clients. Prior to some technology that we had, that wasn't even possible, so we didn't offer that service. Well, we had some technology that then allowed us to put that into a standard process, and now it's something that we do offer to our, mm-hmm. to our customers. And so that came out of requesting feedback. They had an idea that from their interaction with their customers had been something that's come up quite a bit. And now it's a service that we offer. So your customer feedback can't just leave at, they told me what they want and it's sitting in an email box somewhere or it's, it's sitting on a whiteboard somewhere. There has to be action behind it. And so once you get that information, you validate that data, you ran it through, what are my non-negotiables? And what is, what is at, from that point, you're going to really identify some potential opportunities to fix some issues and to do some things that you maybe never really consider doing. Absolutely. Before. Yep. You don't know. It's all about perspective. We've talked about it a lot. It's all about perspective. And so um, I recommend from a, a, as far as a, a frequency standpoint and getting your team together and having that exercise at least once a year realistically, maybe, maybe every quarter and just asking people, what are we currently not doing that we need to do? And when you get that feedback, put that through your team and see what's going to fall out of it. You can, and you can scale that down even farther. Hey, what are we not doing well in this area? Mm -hmm. And so that could be a quarterly exercise or as your yearly exercise, maybe bigger picture. 
Um, you can get done to, hey, how are we, you know, how are we doing onboarding, you know, or, or could be, you know, how, well, how is our, you know, I'm thinking about if I'm a, a landscaper, you know, how are we doing with our um, quotes and, and bids and proposals? How are we doing with pricing? How are we doing with invoicing? How are we doing with um, recruiting? How are we doing with delivery? You know, how are we doing with vendor negotiations? Whatever those things may be um, so that you can best serve your customers. And don't be afraid to pivot, you know, because you're going to get good ideas. Um, one of the things that is, uh, is important to understand, especially if you're an organization out there that had, has had some success in the past, but then you find yourself in some lean times, especially in this COVID environment, there's a lot of small businesses that have thrived through this. And there's some that have struggled significantly, um, some because of government mandates and others because their business just seemed to disappear a little bit. If you're struggling, this is the exercise that you need to start with because the people that are buying from you are still buying for, for a reason. And you need to be able to find more of that, more of those, those people. And getting your customers' feedback is going to give you the insight to be able to target your sales effort or duplicate that particular customer in, in other sectors to try to find more business. It's really, really important exercise to go through, especially if you're struggling business, I, agree. I find. Well, Matt, um, is there any other final thoughts that you have on customer feedback and what to do with it once you get it? Uh, when you should work on it. Anything else that you want to add? Um, your goal has to be that you're not okay with your status quo. You have to be working towards getting a little bit better every day. Part of that is making sure you get all the perspectives in that, which includes your customer and your employees, and uh, even your own your own perspective. You know, take take a walk into that building as if you're a customer one day or whatever. Get all those perspectives so you can get a little better every day. Take time out of your schedule to look at things with fresh eyes, mm -hmm. get feedback, and then act on it. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Um, well, everybody, I really appreciate you taking the, the time to talk with us today or listen to us today. I keep saying, every time I say that, I always say, I appreciate the time you talk. You're not, nobody's talking about this. We need people to call in. Call mm -hmm. us. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get Becky on that, and we'll get like an 800 number oh, national radio show. Call the What's That Better podcast. Oh, God, that sounds awful. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, Thanks for taking the time to listen to us today. We really appreciate you, you joining us. If there's anything that we could do to help, please reach out and let us know. We would love uh, nothing more than to, to walk with you to see you get one step better as we're trying to do things over here in our organization. We may have some, some insight and skills and, and uh, techniques to, to uh, help you and yours. So thanks and have a great day. Bye.